Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here. Today I have the privilege of hosting Dr. Susie Brown. The song you hear is, uh, is actually from her new album, and uh, it's going to be a great talk. We're going to dive into physician wellness, folk singing, folk songwriting, because she is a 1970s-inspired folk pop songwriter. She has chased her unique muse for a decade, making modern-day roots music that nods to the soul singers, heartland rockers, and blues artists who came before her. Gluing the sound together is the unforced voice and honest autobiographical songwriting of a Renaissance woman who's not only an acclaimed musician, but also a part-time cardiologist and full-time mom. How she does it all, I don't know. (laughs) But the important thing is that she is doing what we believe is the key to physician wellness and caring for patients and living a more fulfilled life. It's been an incredible journey for her. She's going to be talking about her experience as a musician, a cardiologist, and a mom. And, uh, you know, she began uh, born in Montreal and uh, raised in Boston, spent time at Harvard Medical School and the University of Pennsylvania during her 20s and 30s. She earned her medical degrees while also nursing, growing, need to create her own music. So you know what? It's, uh, it's a privilege to have her here. She's out of Nashville, and we'll be diving into her story. So Susie, it's a privilege to have you here. Thank you so much. So what did I miss in your intro, Susie, that uh, you want to fill in the listeners on? You mean about my background? Yes. Well, I think it was all, it was all true. I'm the daughter of two physicians, two enthusiastic and I would say pretty happy physicians. They both loved their job, would talk about it over the dinner table, and it was an appealing career choice for me. I was always good at science and math, and I liked the idea of helping people and serving people. So I decided to study pre-med in undergrad, but I always had a music bug. Mm-hmm. I would listen obsessively to the people, you know, who I was into at the time. And I would learn every word to every song on every album and belt them at the top of my lungs in my bedroom. (laughs) And I never really did much singing outside my bedroom until my senior year of college when I got up the guts to try out for an acapella group. I had had acapella envy my entire college life. I just was dying to be in one of those groups, but I never had the courage to try out. And at the last minute, I got an email in the early days of email that there were Rockapella's tryouts in 15 minutes. And I just dropped my books at the library. I, I was at the library setting for a physics test. And I just left them at the library and I ran over there and tried out That's for the awesome. group. And singing with that group really changed my life because I just realized that I get a feeling from singing and especially singing with other people that I don't get doing anything else. And I also realized that musicians and creative people are my people. I think a lot of people struggle with not knowing where they belong, especially in college in your 20s. And I, it was very clear to me where I belonged after I joined this group. That's so great. And I congratulate you for doing the uncommon thing and the thing for you. You know, I feel like we try so hard to look good. We, we try so hard not to look bad. 
and and mm-hmm. oftentimes abandon that thing which is most important to us. And man, it's so cool that you did that. You know, you dropped your physics book and you went for it and you haven't looked back. I haven't looked back. So I graduated from college and I took two years off to work in a lab. Mm-hmm. And while I was working in the lab, I bought a guitar and started teaching myself how to play nice. just so that I would have a way to keep singing. I was so sad that I wasn't able to sing with the group anymore because I was no longer in college. So I bought a guitar and started singing out songs, all cover songs, but I would figure out songs and play them. And that just started a decade of conflict in me, which was that I was very dedicated to becoming a doctor. You know, I was doing I did basic science research and then started Harvard Medical School. But all along, I couldn't kick the music bug. And I would try and carve out ways to, you know, work music into my life whenever I could. It was obviously difficult in medical school and residency and fellowship. But I did, I did manage to do it in my way. That's awesome. Yeah. And when I, I moved to Philadelphia for my cardiology fellowship, and I didn't know anyone, and I was working so much, and the little music community that I had carved out for myself in Boston, I didn't have anymore. Mm-hmm. And I found that surprisingly hard. Yeah, and sure. as my fellowship was coming to an end, I felt things kind of coming to a head in that I never felt as fulfilled and happy as I thought I would, you know, with each stage of my training, with each passing milestone or accolade. I always thought, well, I'll be happy when this happens. I'll be happy when this happens. And I kept feeling like something was missing. Hmm. And I was pretty burned out by the time my cardiology, my clinical fellowship was over. And all I could think about was music. I got a master's in translational research at the end of my cardiology fellowship. So I was in the lab and I had my nights and weekends free, finally, for the first time in a really long time. And I started obsessively going to see local Philly music and listening obsessively in the lab. And I just looked around and I thought, huh, I'm not really like all these other people. They all think about science all the time. They go to bed thinking about science and wake up thinking about science. I go to bed thinking about music and wake up thinking about music. And it was, it was pretty confusing. I'm sure. So a lot of us are doing something that pays the bills. You're doing well and you're a health leader, you're a provider. But there's that one thing that maybe you wake up thinking about, go to bed mm-hmm. thinking about. And, and yeah. I think Dr. Brown here, Susie, there's a reason she lives in Nashville. She's, she's living her dream and doing the things that she wants to do as well, like be a cardiologist. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a great, she's living the example that I think many of us can learn from. Physician burnout's a thing. It's real. What are your thoughts on mm-hmm. it? I mean, it's definitely real and I've experienced it. Medicine is unique in that you have to give so much of yourself. It's not as the physician, nothing is about you when you're at work. It's all about the patient. It's all about supporting the patient, the patient's families, your team. It doesn't matter what kind of day you're having. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter that your water heater is broken. You don't have any hot water. I mean, you just have to show up, give, 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 give. And then when you become a parent, you're giving at home and there's very little space to fill your tank back up. You're just giving, giving, giving. And then with all the changes in billing and reimbursement, our administrative burden is going up, up, up. And that's not what, what really fulfills us. None of us went into medicine to do billing. So there's just very little room. The part of medicine I think that fulfills all of us is when you develop meaningful relationships and when you help people. But it's hard to 
feel fulfilled by that when you're bogged down by, like I said, all the administrative stuff, when you're pressed for time. And yeah, it just, I think over time, I mean, anyone would, would break under that kind of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And so what advice would you give to physicians and even healthcare leaders that aren't physicians working really hard and they're starting to feel burned out? How do you, how do you, I have multiple thoughts about this. In terms of what I would say to administrators, the answer is not to do a retreat or to set up meetings or do yoga at work or any of these things. We are all so busy. The last thing we need is another commitment for our time. We don't have time. The way that administrators can help burnout is to give physicians more support for things such as billing and administrative duties. Free our time. And then you can use that time in however you want to treat your burnout. There's a, a sort of experimental program at Stanford where physicians would earn credit for doing things that in general don't pay but are essential for the function of the hospital, such as if someone's sick and unexpectedly out person who volunteers to cover them, you know, gets a credit for serving on committees and, you know, that kind of thing. That's sort of invisible, important, but invisible. And the credit can be used towards this program is over, I think, but the credits could, credit could be used for dry cleaning. They'll pick it up and like bring it to your house, babysitting, someone to cook dinner for you, help with grant, like administrative grant stuff, those kind of things to make your life easier. Oh, and it was an incredible, yeah, it was an incredibly effective program in terms of overall, like happiness and well-being of the staff. I think things like that is where administrators should be thinking. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah. You know, and you mentioned I'll that. Make our the- lives easier. <laughs> yeah. You know, at the beginning you said, yeah, you know, we just, gosh, give, 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 right? And yep. you know, the profession of a physician is very giving and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a dad too. So I, I feel you on the giving on the, the kids. Yep. And you just, at the end of the day, are drained. Yeah. And then you're lying in bed with your spouse and you literally don't want to talk. Yeah. Like I, I get to the end of the day when I've had a crazy day at work and then the kids, I just, you need, you have like 10 minutes to yourself the entire day. Yeah. It just takes everything out of you. To individuals about burnout, I will say that it's really important to redefine your idea of success because I think in order, really the key I don't know. This is just my personal opinion. I think people need to work less. I just think we work too much. And in order to work less, you probably will make less money and probably be less academically successful. Maybe. maybe I I had to grapple with that. But I had to grapple with that. I went to really prestigious places for school. I went to Dartmouth and then Harvard Medical School and I did my residency at the Brigham and my fellowship at Penn. And it just seemed like, you know, staying in academics is the moral high ground and Mm -hmm. being a successful researcher is the moral high ground. And it's just not true. If that's what people enjoy and that's what makes them tick, by all means, that's what you should do. But not everybody's like that. And some people like to garden and like to have more time with their family. And that's perfectly acceptable. And it took me a long time to shake that need for external validation to feel good about what I was doing professionally. When I first decided to really pursue music seriously, it was, I was finishing my fellowship and I just was desperate to work part-time because I really wanted to explore music more. And at the time I figured, oh, it'll be just 
like my temporary plan and then I'll go back to my real life, quote unquote. And Penn <laughs> offered me a part-time job that was like a terrible job offer. It paid terribly and um, I could only be part-time for six years and then I would have to be full-time. And it was just a terrible job offer. And so I decided to go and work at Einstein Medical Center in Philadelphia, which almost nobody has heard of outside of Philly, but which paid much better. And the job description was just something I really enjoyed, which was I got to do advanced heart failure and got to read echoes and read nuclear studies and do outpatient, do inpatient. The job was just the job that I wanted. And it was a smaller hospital, but the people there were still well-trained and I felt like I could take good care of my patients there. And that's what was right for me. If you had asked my medical school self, I would think that that job there was quote unquote, a success compared to taking a job at Penn, I would have said no way. Yeah. But that was successful for me. That was successful in terms of what I wanted out of my job and my life. And I think that's a really important thing to ask yourself. What do you want? What kind of job is going to make you happy? And then get that job. It may be in a city that you didn't think you would want to live in, like in order to get the work-life balance that you want. It may not, you have to, comp- that's you probably Nashville, will have to right? compromise something. Well, Nashville was sort of the dream. And you're, you're, like you're there. You're living yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Which I love, by well, the way. Yeah. I basically said, I want to live in Nashville because I was touring a lot at the time and I wanted to have a family and I knew I, I would need to find a way to still be creative and nurture my musical side without touring all the time. And Nashville is a writing town. So instead of like getting coffee, people just get together and write a song. People it. just write songs, write songs, write songs. And I felt like that would be a great way to grow as an artist between the hours of nine and five in my own zip code <laughs> while my kids are young, you know, and still be home for dinner. So Nashville was the dream. So I just said to myself that I would just poke around and see if anybody was looking for a heart failure cardiologist in Nashville. So I got in touch with the people at Vanderbilt. At the time, they were not looking, but they said, email me in six months because we are we may be looking at that time. So I did, and they were looking, and I said, I want a half-time job. I want to work two weeks on, two weeks off. And they said, okay. <laughs> and this is the thing, folks. And Susie, thanks for sharing this story. If you are not unreasonable, you're not going to live the life you want. If you are not unreasonable, you're not going to live the life you want. And Susie was unreasonable. <laughs> you know, and I well, you have to you at least that. ask. I mean, you, you have, have to, to ask. ask. Yeah. And I love if being I unreasonable. Yeah. I mean, if I hadn't asked, it turns out that I do all advanced heart failure. So LVAD and transplant. And oh, okay. In, yeah. Most all transplant doc groups have a group practice. So nobody, we all take care of all the transplant patients. Mm-hmm. So the way all of the, atten- the transplant attendings schedules are organized at Vanderbilt is on a week by week basis. So you do one week in the ICU, one week in the floor, one week in clinic. So okay. you'll do that in transplant clinic that week. And then it just alternates. Sure. So it worked out much in terms of being part time in my job, it was much easier to do one week on, one week off, or two weeks on, two weeks off than it would have been to work two or three days a week. Because of how it's scheduled, right? Yeah, because that's yeah. how all the doctors' schedules are done. And I don't have a continuity clinic. I don't have my own clinic. I only see transplant and bad patients. So when I'm not there, there's another attending who's, who's in clinic that week who also out. knows the patients equally well. Right. But if I hadn't asked, I would never have realized that. Yeah. That's so great. I appreciate you so sharing you have that. to ask. You know, yeah. the other thing that came to mind too, Susie, is I, I had a guest probably about two years ago. His name is Walter Warzoa. He has this business called Health Tunes. And mm-hmm. he's using music to 
change the the rhythm of of babies' hearts in the NICU. Oh, that's so cool. I have heard a little bit about that. I got to connect you with them. Yeah. Walter, if you're great. listening to this, I'm going to connect you with Susie. <laughs> so look that out for the great. email. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard a little. My sister's a neonatologist. Oh, she is? Cool. Um, yeah. Where? At Boston Children's. Oh, actually, she just oh. moved to the yeah. Cool. Awesome. Oh, oh mm-hmm. so she's a so she stayed in the East Coast. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. got you got a sister in it. I got to connect you with Walter. Mm-hmm. I think there's something there, and I've had probably about four or five guests that are focused on music therapy, just music mm-hmm. and healthcare. You know, and so yeah. there's I mean, something music there. Music is really healing for me. I I know that. It is. Okay. So. So tell me about a time, and you obviously shared the things you're doing to have a more fulfilled career, and, mm-hmm. and I'm taking notes here, and I, I think the listeners are also taking notes. I know you guys and gals are all taking notes probably. What can you do that's unreasonable? Just ask. Tell us about a setback you've had and uh, what you learned from that setback. You mean like a professional? What, what kind of setback? You tell me. Something that's meaningful to you that you feel we could learn from. I think the real things that I keep learning over and over again is what your idea of success is and to just keep redefining it. We live in such a success-oriented society, like kindergartners get a trophy for you know, running around the track once. <laughs> yeah. just, you know, like everyone's getting medals and prizes and I don't know. I mean, especially in, in music, the thing I struggle with is that I take it really seriously. I consider myself a professional musician, but I have less than half the time to dedicate to it than other people do who are just doing it full time and who don't have a family. Mm-hmm. And that can be really frustrating because I feel like, well, you know, if I had more time, I, I would have I'd write more songs or better songs, or I'd be a better singer, or I'd be a better guitar player, or I'd have more time to tour and maybe I would have gotten into that festival or I would have been recognized by this publication. You get your soul crushed by those kind of things all the time as a musician, mm-hmm. you know, applying to festivals and getting rejected and wanting to get press coverage by a certain outlet and they don't want to cover your song or all the time. But what I keep coming back to is I have to do this for me. I have to be an artist. Artists make art. You know, you think Bob Dylan cared if someone didn't like his music? You know, I don't think so. I don't think so. He he makes it because he has to. I mean, artists make art. So what I keep trying to come back to is all that stuff is, is just fluff. You know, it's just, I mean, it would be nice. It's like dessert. It'd be nice if it's there, but it's not the meal. The meal is make your art and put it out there and keep making your art. But it's still, it still comes back to like being a slave to external validation. I think, I think it makes a, you miserable. Yeah, no, I agree with you 1000%. And, you know, I also work and I run this mm-hmm. podcast. It's a choice, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, yep. I, I'm unreasonable about my expectations in life. And what you're saying to mm-hmm. me really hits home because, yeah, a lot of people have told me, how the heck do you do it? Why, why are you mm-hmm. doing this? Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I, I, right. There's stories like yours that the listeners need to hear. And that's why I'm doing it. And your message here, Susie, is powerful for the people that haven't thought about this, this idea of what other people think about you, success, just throw it away and go for what you want. Yeah. And you'll be surprised how it works out. <laughs> I went back, to the Brigham and Women's Hospital had a residency reunion when I was still working in Philly. And I went back and saw a lot of my friends who I did med school and residency with. And um, 
you know, I talked to the people who were still at the Brigham, which is admittedly a much more prestigious place to be than where I was. And they were getting paid about the same or maybe even less than I was getting paid at Einstein working, you know, 80 hours a week. And I was working only 60%. And with no administrative support, no support anywhere, just a miserable job. And I just felt like so lucky. I felt so lucky. I just, I felt in my mind much more successful than if I had stayed at the Brigham. So, because I just had a happier life. Yeah. And what would you say is one of your proudest experiences to date in your, I would say, healthcare music career? Well, I think on the medical side, I mean, I just feel, I feel proud a lot when I take good care of a patient and when they're grateful to me, there's no feeling like that. That is really, really special. I deal with literally life and death. Patients come to me because they're dying of heart failure and I help see them on the transplant if it's possible. And when someone comes in and to clinic and shows me pictures of their grandchildren and says, I never would have met her if it hadn't been for you. And I don't know how I could ever thank you. How can you have a better feeling than that? There's just, Mm -hmm. there's nothing better. And musically, I think I feel musically the most proud when my songs connect, when people connect with my songs. I have a song on my new album and I've gotten more fan mail and people coming up to me after shows about this song than any other song. And that that ultimately is, is what I crave, just to share share my thoughts and share my musical thoughts and have it resonate with people. What's, uh, That's what it's about. And what, what is the most exciting project you have going on right now? Your new album? Yeah, my new album for sure. So tell us about it. So this is my sixth studio album. I have, since moving to Nashville, this is my third album, but I had two children in pretty short order when I moved here. Mm-hmm. So I really haven't had nearly the time or energy to dedicate to music that I used to have and that I would like to have. And this album was born as I was kind of emerging from the newborn fog. I felt like I was finally emerging from that just sleep deprived craze. And I had a little more time to dedicate to music and I was just craving it. I felt so deprived of that outlet and that big part of myself I just felt like was asleep. And it's intimidating in Nashville because everyone is so unbelievably talented. And I moved here seven months pregnant and then had two babies 20 months apart. So, you know, I don't get out all that much. I wasn't playing all that much in terms of live shows. And um, I wanted to get into the co-writing scene here, but I was really scared to ask people to write with me because I felt rusty and I hadn't done a lot of co-writing before. But I just got up the guts and really reached out and ended up with a collection of songs that I was really, really proud of. But I still, my self-esteem was kind of in the gutter musically because I Mm -hmm. just felt so out of practice and so irrelevant. And I was going to just make this album at home, just do it casually, cheaply. And I chose my producer and he said, Susie Brown, this is not a vanity project. These songs are great. And if your musical self-esteem is low, the last thing you should do is make this album casually at home. He said, you need to make the best album you can possibly make, something that you can be unequivocally proud of, no matter what. And I'm so glad I took his advice. So we made it at a really world-class studio with world-class musicians, like Leonard Cohen's drummer played on it, Miranda Lambert's bass player, and Dixie Chick's keyboard player. I mean, it was crazy. And I just, every part of the album, I took my time with. And 
I really made sure I did it 100% the way I wanted it. So I got a really professional photographer. I had a stylist and a makeup artist, and I hired someone to do my album art, and I just did everything right. And I'm super proud of it. It came out uh, July 26th, and it's been really well received. I've gotten, you know, just some really nice attention for it. But then the best thing about it is that I felt 100% satisfied with the album before it even came out. I just was so proud of the music. And I sort of felt like whatever happens with press and radio, I don't even care. I'm just so proud of this album. So all that stuff has been great, but I've, I felt just as happy with the album before all that happened. That's great. Well, congratulations on that. And for the, Thank you. yeah. And, and if the listeners want to, check it out where do they mm-hmm. check it out you can find it really anywhere music is available so it's suzy brown s-u-z-i-e and then brown like the color mm-hmm. it's on spotify it's on itunes it's on amazon it's on all those all those things and the album is called under the surface under the surface and, if you, mm-hmm, and i i made vinyl records so if you're into nice. vinyl and want a copy <laughs> you can get it through my website which is suzybrownsongs.com. Love it. We'll leave those links, folks, if you're curious. Hey, maybe you're a physician in your office and you need to listen to some tunes that inspire you, that get you out of your burnout. Maybe you're just somebody that wants to hear an awesome tune. We'll leave the links for Susie's music in the show notes. Just go to outcomesrocket.health and type in Susie Brown in the search bar and you'll see the the episode come up with all the show notes. Check those out. So tell us, Susie, what book or resource would you recommend to the listeners? Book or resource about like what on burnout? Yeah, or burnout or an online resource you recommend. Something you feel people well, I'm a, benefit from. I'm a mom to young kids, so I don't read that much. <laughs> I used to. I, I basically read like one page and then I it ends up like on That's my right. face with me drooling and fast <laughs> asleep. So, but I would say the best thing that I have that I use in terms yeah. of resources are sort of mindfulness and yoga resources. That's a really, really powerful tool for me. So I use an app called Yoga Glow and it has like thousands of yoga classes on it. And it, it, there's meditation. There's all the way from like meditation to super physical yoga. And if I'm feeling like fried at work, I just do it in my office. Love it. And it really helps recenter me. So and it's that's called a, Yoga Glow? Yoga Glow. Yep. Okay. It's great. All different teachers, all different levels. And it just really helps me a lot. Yoga Glow. We'll leave a link to that in the notes too, folks. Susie, really appreciate you diving into your passions. What you do as a cardiologist is important and the music you're putting out there is, is, is important too. So thanks for being an example for us. Leave us with the closing thought and the best, best place where the listeners could get in touch if they want to continue the conversation. My closing thought is if you're happy, you win. That's the only thing that really matters. Love so it. if your job is super prestigious and fancy, but you're miserable, it's not the right job for you. And you probably would be much happier at an unknown place where you have the work-life balance you want and can see the type of patients you want and have the administrative support you want. If you're happy, you win. That should be your metric of success. That is awesome. <laughs> I love that. Oh, it's so great. And uh, Susie, where can the listeners get in touch with you or continue following your work? The best place is through my website, which is suziebrownsongs.com. So it's S-U-Z-I-E, brown like the color, and then songs.com. 
Outstanding. Susie, really appreciate your insights and courage and uh, appreciate you encouraging us to follow our dreams as well. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 